Welcome to the Cyber Resilience Strategy Podcast. This series is designed for the audience of the strategy and aims to bring key points to life as we seek to build a cyber resilient defence. Over 10 episodes, we'll be talking through the strategic priorities with the people responsible for delivering them. We hope you enjoy listening. Welcome back to the Cyber Resilient Strategy podcast. I'm Dan Snape, your host for this session. I'm joined by Adrian Randall, the senior responsible owner for the Defensive Cyber Programs and has been in that post since September 2021, but his MOD journey started way back in 1998. Um, Adrian, you've enjoyed a really varied career uh, working in the fields of geospatial analysis, uh, system acquisition for operations, maritime sensor and information fusion capabilities, and now you're part of Cyber Defence and Risk in Defence Digital, working in close collaboration with the National Cyber Security Centre. So, uh, Adrian, uh, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. Hi, Dan, and thank you for inviting me along. Yeah, I'm looking forward to to talking about um, the programmes. That's brilliant. Um, You have the really tough job of actually getting things delivered. Um, I've, I've been in those kind of roles, and it is uh, you know, it is a, a one a huge responsibility, uh, but also in this space, given given the pace we're working at, uh, it is made ever more challenged. So, I suppose could could you expand a little bit on what the defensive cyber programs sort of really comprise from your perspective? Absolutely, Dan. So, so the programs follow the the kind of five cybersecurity um, pillars associated with NIST. So. The first of the programs is the Cyber Resilience Program. So, it, it, you know, under under NIST, that's really looking at the um, identify, protect, and recover elements. Then there's the defensive cyber operations, which does the detect and respond. And then knitting together across all of those is the um, identity and access management, the IAMS component. Um, unpacking probably each one of those just kind of give a, a, a flavor. So the Cyber Resilience Program deals a lot with um, the awareness, behavior, and cultural side of, of cyber change. Um, it covers um, the kind of cyber secure elements around protective tooling, um, talks a lot around the, the kind of cyber design, and, and, other, and I'm sure others would have spoken previously around secure depth and secure by design as well as NIST compliance. And we also do a lot of areas around um, vulnerability research as well. So there are four main themes inside of CRP, but um, but those are the kind of main areas that get after the the people, the processes, and the technology element. Sure. Um, under the DCOP, so the Defensive Cyber Operations, um, again following that kind of people, process, uh, and data as well as technology um, space. So this is where we'll see things like deployed scalable capability coming to life, where we'll we'll put kit on board of aircraft carriers, for example, and, and Carrier Strike 21 was a great example of where we deployed capability in that sense. Um, looking at some of the training, looking at things like um, mission data and turning particular um, feeds on to, 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 to really kind of improve our cyber threat intelligence um, and to build up that more active picture. But again, it's, it's, the, it's the composition of all of those skills coming together. So training the armed forces with regards to the cyber skills they need, um, providing them the right equipment, turning on the right data feeds as well, and providing the processes, the policy, and all of the underpinning standards to be able to bring that to life across defense. 
I think what's 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 really interesting about you, what you've just said is you've put um, obviously there's a technology element of this, but there's a huge emphasis on the people, the training of those people, the data and its you know the maximization of its use, uh, and then the the processes that clearly need to to fit together around all of that to make it work effectively. So you know it's really reassuring to hear that that you know huge swathes of activity that we that we need to get done are being recognized but i do just wonder you know will those programs as they are will they deliver the totality of the cyber resilience strategy for defense um no that's a really good question um yes and no i guess is the is the kind of you know the response from from me as the sro so where a lot of these capabilities have not existed inside of defense in a in a coherent way the programs are here really to to start the um, the implementation across defence, so to establish all of the kind of core foundations with regards to the skills that we've already talked about, to instigate um, an awareness, behaviour, and cultural change inside of defence. So you know everybody is on the front line when it comes to, to cyber defence and ensuring we can recognise when phishing campaigns, etc., are, are, are being undertaken. Um, and also just ensuring then that we've got the you know systemic processes um, established around you know good cyber governance and then really being able to use that across the, the rest of defense of the military commands and the other top level budget holders um, to ensure that they've got the right foundations to be able to take forward the rest of the, the, the work that the program is implementing. It's, it's, it, I suppose in my mind, I was just thinking as you were talking there, it's a bit like you know mountain climbing in a sense. We're going to help train a person to know how to climb a mountain. We're going to help equip them, but we're not climbing the mountain for them. Um, so it's about making sure everybody's enabled for the journey, understands the route they've got to take, but the challenge is still there and must still be conquered. So, you know, we are, it sounds very much like the programs are there to, to help enable, facilitate, make it easier for people, but there's still some hard work that needs to be done in the act of climbing the mountain. Yeah, and so that's a really good analogy, and I'd, I'd suggest probably it's, it, it's slightly more nuanced as well in the sense that um, so, some of the some of the areas of defence will need us, you know, to help them all the way to the top of the mountain. Yep. Others will just need that guiding and that training. Yes. Um, it is it is a very varied picture, I think, across defence, and I think that's why um, certainly through the integrated review, we've seen such such heavy investment and heavy focus now on 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 cyber security over the last few years. And I think, as you said, it's important to recognise that different parts of the defence organisation are, you know, some people are fitter, more experienced, ready to do this journey. Others are, I'm up for the challenge, uh, but I, I don't know the first thing about mountain climbing, so please help me. Uh, and so that's 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 really uh, sort of interesting to recognise that. You know, a lot of people think the defence is sort of one very coherent collegiate organisation. Those who have worked with us recognise that that isn't always 100% true. We'd love it to be uh, to be ever more so. Um, I suppose for, for me, you know, what do you perceive as being the greatest challenge that you face either in the delivery of your programmes or, or aspects? Actually, let me rephrase that in the delivery of the effect that we're trying to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that links neatly to, to, to your earlier question with regards to um, how do I make um, all of the effects that's being delivered through the programs real across the rest of defense? There are huge dependencies on other areas. Um, and certainly the availability of, of the appropriately um, trained people, getting, getting people into the organization, retaining people um, is, is absolutely critical. Um, I think being able, then being able to skill them up um, and then ensuring um, that we have you know, the right cyber security pathways for people's careers through um, through their time inside of defense. Um, so that's, you know, these are exciting times to be inside of cyber. Um, and certainly, you know, the, the people element, I would argue, is probably one of the, the greatest components. As with anything inside of um, 
central government and, and, and including obviously MOD inside of that. There's enormous amounts of, um, quite rightly so, scrutiny over the way that we spend our money too. Um, and one of the challenges I have is being able to um, account for all of the sunk cost investment um, within the cyber programs themselves, but then also demonstrate where I'm reducing the risk. So the you know the residual risk presented by you know state level threat through to individuals in their bedrooms and all of the things we know from a cybersecurity perspective. That's quite a challenge when a lot of our procedures and processes inside of defence are geared around. Um, tangible equipment programs. So if I'd spent a third of the money on the programs and I was building an aircraft carrier, you would probably expect me to have demonstrated to you that you know, you've got a third of an aircraft carrier for your investment. When you're talking about things like around awareness, behavior and cultural change, they're very difficult to measure. That's, that brings in sort of an interesting challenge into, into view, the, that difficulty in measurement and, and having to really clearly explain how we've driven down risk how we've invested that money that that's i mean that's that's quite a big challenge and it's i suppose made ever more complicated by the fact that the threat landscape is moving because it's often talked about in cyber saying it's great that you've reduced the risk point from a to b but but underneath those two points that little heat map that shows where you are is almost moving to make things worse for you all the time so Given that we have to constantly adapt to the threat landscape, uh, to the new techniques, the, the perhaps new adversaries that are coming out, um, how how do we um, how do we take a program that traditionally within defence is set across a fixed requirement delivered over many years, and actually then do something that has to be done really quickly, where the requirement is almost emergent? How how do you handle that 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 sort of tension between? traditional programs and what we have to deal with here? So I think I think there's two parts to that. Um, for me, I think, you know, we've already spoken around the, you know, the, the awareness and behavior and cultural changes. So there are, there are some, some, some long lead items associated with, with the programs where we really need to build that, that you know, that, that baseline level of understanding and skill set inside of defense. So those are fairly set. Um, pieces of activity. But, but you're right, in the ever-changing kind of threat landscape, the programs are designed to be agile enough to be able to, to go through a series of sprints, you know, and, and we re-review with the major stakeholders, so, you know, the operational user communities, um, how we're going to apply um, the right levels of technology and process to the next sprint phase, but recognizing that the landscape has changed. Um, I mentioned earlier with regards to some of the capability we deployed um, on HMS Queen Elizabeth for carrier strike. Um, lots of lessons identified associated with that deployment. They've already been implemented um, for the deployment on board um, HMS Prince of Wales and, and the role that she now plays. And I think it's really interesting the way you you talked about the agility. So actually, what you've had to do is is design the delivery part and all those decision points to sort of be a constant cycle of review, do, um, and 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 keep sort of manipulating your way through that. Um, you know, traditionally, and those especially those uh, those industry partners, for example, who've dealt with defence, will think, well, how on earth have you delivered that? Is that has there been some sort of difference in the way we've been doing either our approvals or how we get our our, our, our cash flow managed 
um, compared to sort of a normal program. Is there something different in that space as well? Um, y- yes, and our feedback, you know, when I mentioned, you know, the, the kind of classic project and program, you know, de- delivery where you you will have a, a prime from industry, um, you will have really clear user requirements and system requirements. They're all well defined, you know, inside of the um, the acquisition cycle inside of defense referred to as, as, as CADMID. Um, you can't approach cyber in the same way. So the, the programs have been designed specifically to have that level of agility. Um, it has been a, um, a, a growing relationship with the, the approval authorities with regards to how we're going to approach um, that expenditure. And I referred already around, you know, the demonstrable reduction of risk and how that risk profile is going to change over time. And that needs to be demonstrated in really short epochs of time rather than over years. Um, because you'll have noticed that the risk has gone down and then back up again because something else has, you know, another another cyber whack-a-mole moment has, has happened. So um, for me, I think the, you know, the, the strength inside of the programs really is around, you know, bringing the user voice in and just making sure the operational user communities um, are really well understood, their user needs are really understood, um, and ensuring that we're, we're balancing between um, not over-providing tooling um, and, and technology, but ensuring that we've got the, you know, the right people, the right skills, which we've already mentioned, the data feeds to bring all of that to, to, to life. So all of that combines together with some steady state activity to, to bring defenses, cyber skills up over time. Um, and then um, the forecasting through things like cyber threat intelligence to understand what the landscape's going to look like, which will then help us structure the program um, in a more agile and, and, and quicker way. I think that that's really positive news because that sounds quite different for defence given given how we normally operate. So that's really encouraging. And you, you touched um, in in the sort of the your, your reply to the last question on the primes. Um, and you know there'll be there'll be some small to medium enterprise out there listening to this thinking, okay, this is this is only a game for the primes. But do, do you see openings available for small to medium enterprise that that can help contribute to this? Yeah, and we're doing that right now. Um, so you know we've been really lucky across the you know across the programs with regards to the industry partners that we've had to date. We've had some great industry days to to, to kind of expand upon what the programs are here to deliver. But um, you know we, we've you know this is this is really centered around kind of open and fair competition as you would expect from a from a government body. Um, and you know there are lots of elements within the, the the cybersecurity space which are which are absolutely open to those those small medium enterprises. And we've made sure that the you know a lot of the contracts have been broken up and broken down accordingly to support that. Yeah, that's that's really encouraging. And I suppose it, it leads me to wonder: do, do you feel you have the the right skills? within your teams to be able to deliver what you need to do because you were talking about it's not just tech you know technology is brilliant but it doesn't doesn't bring the answer people uh, bring the answers when they use the technology and the data to, to generate the insights and, and, and decide on their actions so uh, from, a, from a program perspective solely because this, this could become a huge question otherwise do you feel you have the right expertise uh, to, to, to get done what you need to get done yeah absolutely so um the, the, the way the teams are, are sort of broken down across the programs, it's, it's a blend. So it's a blend of, um, of Crown servants, um, of military colleagues, and of those client support provided by industry. And, and where necessary, we bring in the right skill sets. So where I've mentioned earlier around the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the elements of the cyber resilience program, we've done you know, um, bug bounties and we've, we've worked with ethical hackers to kind of bring those extra skill sets in which typically we, we don't have um, you know, organically inside of defense. 
Um, so just bringing that wider perspective to probe our defenses and ensure that we're doing the right thing inside of the programs again. So yes, it's it's a it's a blend of um, private sector resource being brought in, uh, military skills with regards to how operationally we're supposed to be doing cyber, which is absolutely critical, and civil servants with with the appropriate skills as well. And it's been really heartening over the the last few years as well to see. Um, access to greater training um, and greater emphasis on um, cyber skills pathways for for greater career development. Yeah, and that's that's a great opportunity. And I'm going to seize the moment just to plug the fact that you are always advertising for posts. So if anybody out there is listening and really wants to join the team, then there are civil service posts always available uh, and being advertised in this growing space. So I will just use that moment, which uh, which I'm surely appreciate uh, in, in due course. Uh, listen, Adrian, that's been a really fascinating conversation. You have a huge task. I wish you the very best uh, in making this successful. I have every confidence that you will, but it's been great that uh, we've been able to uh, to spend a bit of time together talking about this today. That's great, Dan. Thank you. And thank you very much for your time today. Thank you for listening to the Cyber Resilience Strategy podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this session. You can get the full series available through wherever you choose to get your podcasts.